Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal. Look out! <laughs> Welcome to our first episode of DeLorean Nights, a time-traveling podcast dedicated to the places we live and visit, the stories they have to tell, and the citizens and events that shape our narrative. Thank you for taking the time out of your night to listen to us. Podcasts, like life itself and history for that matter, have often too many options to choose from. Hopefully you believe you have chosen wisely to quote the night from the First Crusade, Indiana Jones. This won't be the only time I will shamelessly quote movies. Cinema is a major factor in our memories of the past. Plus, I'm a huge fan of the 80s classics, if you can't tell that by now. Anyway, this is the introductory episode for DeLorean Nights, and we want to introduce you to this podcast, what it's about, and its reason for existence. Before we begin, my primary source for this material in this episode comes from a book written by David Sirota. It's called Back to Our Future, How the 1980s Explain the World We Live In. It's an interesting concept and makes for a pretty good read. Make sure to check the show notes for all of the sources we use. Now where are we going on this journey, or this metaphorical road? Our destination in each episode will revolve around a specific town or city. The places we live and the cities we visit are always speaking to us. They shape our history and our identities. More than statistics and facts, cities have a pulse, and it's important for us to tap into. If we can understand where we came from, we can better understand ourselves. How did the state of Indiana's obsession with basketball spark significant social change? Why did all the best confidence men come from the heartland? How did organized crime help bring about a great black renaissance in Pittsburgh? We'll try to answer some of these questions. We'll journey across America, from extravagant destinations to glorious back alley towns, from Palm Springs the desert oasis of the stars and land of 10,000 sapphire pools, and Las Vegas during the atomic age when neon lights turned night into day, and mushroom clouds were applauded with parties and cocktails. We'll take a trip into the heartland, exploring the iron grip of the Motor City corporations, the hustlers of the Windy City, and the bloody labor battles of the industrial age. In each episode, we're going to take a journey back in time to explore our past, We're not going to simply spew historical facts. While those are important, they don't tell the entire story. Our vision of the past has been layered with more than just facts. It's a jumbled and muddled mess of myths and misconceptions. If history is a road to navigate, it's chock full of speed bumps and potholes created by marketing, propaganda, and agreed upon lies. The next obstacle we'll face 
is weaving through the congested traffic of movies, books, and entertainment that has molded our narrative over years and years of exposure. This metaphorical twisting and turning road then has another added hindrance, a thick haze of nostalgia blanketed in everything we can see. We can't overestimate the difficulty of seeing through this haze. Nostalgia is a powerful drug that has clouded the minds of everyone to some extent. Not that there is anything wrong with nostalgic feelings and harping back on fond memories, but it's important to avoid being consumed by it. Once its presence is understood, we can learn to see more clearly. While the difference between fact and fiction is no doubt of the utmost importance, it's not just about separating the truth from the untrue. Legends and storytelling are often more important than what actually occurred. Without understanding the effect of fiction and the narrative, we miss the journey. We seek to understand and explore the origins of people who wrote these stories and painted these pictures. How did these things influence us, and what was it that influenced them? Now, why the name DeLorean Nights and the 80s nostalgia aesthetic? No matter where we go today, the 80s never seemed to have lost its popularity, especially to my generation. Not only does Nintendo still reign, but everyone loves going back to Hawkins, Indiana for another season of Stranger Things. Top Gun, Terminator, Die Hard, Retro Tech, Retro Wave, Synth Wave, 80s Trivia Nights, it's everywhere. There is an entire retro industry devoted to 80s nostalgia. Author David Sirota ponders the question of why America continues to speak in the language of the 1980s. His conclusion? We are hit with a wave of marketing through new technologies. This was a culmination of multiple forces converging, or a gigantic wave taking shape at this exact moment in history. The decade was the first in which a majority of American households possessed a television, a VCR, and cable service, and nearly half had video games. With these tools at their disposal, we were hit with a focused wave of marketing, perfectly constructed to reinforce narrow cultural memes. You didn't just see E.T. at the movies, he was in your cereal, video games, Happy Meals, and candy wrappers. We were no longer fed morsels of how we should see the world. The technology, consumerism, and marketing had finally evolved to shape our entire way of thinking. Sirota uses a term, tabula rasa, which is a theory that individuals are born without built-in mental content, and therefore all knowledge comes from experience or perception. He notes that we had not yet developed a healthy degree of cynicism to counter this wave of marketing. Our shit detectors were not yet well honed. Because we were dealing with a clean canvas, it's the 80s pop culture that first stuck, and it has remained ever since. I can still recall the toys, commercials, and video games that define my youth. Another important point Sirota makes, and it's crucial to the theme of this podcast, is the 80s were some of the first instances in which we truly began to market nostalgia. The way we clearly define the decades into convenient boxes did not truly occur until the 1980s. This was when a battle raged to define the previous decades of the past. This battle had political and ideological roots. Conservatives and prophets of Reagan sought to glorify the 1950s while at the same time degrade the 1960s. Reagan was the originator of the Make America Great Again culture, evoking the innocent, clean, and golden days of the 1950s. 
Looking through a powerful lens of nostalgia, he painted a picture of Americana in its most primal and potent form. Family barbecues, friendly neighbors, beautiful homes in the suburbs. The quote-unquote traditional family values ruled and were the backbone of society. Reagan weaponized this strategy to a roaring success. He railed against welfare queens and the ineptness of big government. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. For those who've abandoned hope, we'll restore hope and we'll welcome them into a great national crusade to make America great again. It was so successful that he came to define the 1980s. This is the power of nostalgia. We're all longing for the way we never were. This reminds me of the original moniker for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Their park was built under the premise of, quote, the Hollywood that never was, but always will be. This strategy is both powerful and successful. With the promotion of the 1950s came the destruction of the 1960s. The counterculture and the quote unquote fucking hippies brought about the dark era of the 60s where America lost its way. Sex, drugs, dirt, social unrest, all destroyed the youthful innocence and wholesome lives of so much of America. People lost faith in their government, their military, and in America itself. Our great achievements in the 1960s were overlooked. We put a man on the moon. The Freedom Riders and other activists won crucial battles throughout the South. But this was drowned out by the die hippie die mentality. One of the patron saints of this podcast, a 1980s legend, Michael J. Fox. Before he was Marty McFly, he was in America's living rooms as Alex P. Keaton. He sewed himself into the American fiber, starring in the show Family Ties in 1980. Keaton played a young professional dealing with the day-to-day culture clash of his hippie parents. Many of the episodes centered around Keaton rejecting the counterculture of the 1960s and embracing the wealth and power that came to define the 1980s. Okay, now, we're gonna need a business manager to help us avoid paying taxes. (laughs) Taxes? A tax is a terrible, hairy, liberal monster. (laughs) With big teeth. thing that can stop the terrible tax monster is a Republican. (laughs) Who wants to be a Republican? Michael J. Fox would leverage his popularity and family ties to become Marty McFly in Back to the Future. While some call this movie a nostalgic trip to the idyllic 1950s, I think it's more of an honest take. What seems to be Pleasantville at first turns out to not quite be. Marty's dad was a peeping Tom loser that was unable to stand up for himself. His mom was a boozing, smoking, and boy-crazy teenager as well. The movie, if only briefly, touches on some 1950s-era race relations. The high school kids clash with the school dance band, calling them reefer addicts and other words I'm not going to repeat. While none of these things are heavy-handed, the point of the movie was not social commentary, but entertainment. Now, I also want to point out that I'm not railing against a specific decade or political party. While Alex P. Keaton was a Reaganite broadcasting directly into everyone's homes, biased media and entertainment is nothing new. And this is most definitely not the only example of it. 
I only want to demonstrate the power of weaponized nostalgia. Reagan evoked the nostalgia of the post-war era and 1950s conformity in his rise to power. This nostalgia still resonates throughout the current MAGA environment, and it can be argued that it was crucial to the rise of Donald Trump. Barack Obama echoed the community organizers and movement leaders of the 1960s in his own campaigns. Understanding the nostalgia effect and its roots can better educate us for the future. While we often look back fondly or disingenuously at the past, the truth is somewhere in between. As will be recounted multiple times in this podcast, when people recall golden ages of the past, it is necessary to determine who it was golden for. Yes, the 1950s were wonderful for many, especially in suburban middle-class America, but there were factions of society that suffered. Being a woman in that era, being a minority, being a homosexual, they tended to have different experiences. The same can be said for the 1960s. Yes, the free love generation seemed fun, music, drugs, questioning of authority, but there was plenty of violence and an aftermath that many people are still paying for. Perhaps this gives us a slightly more detailed analysis of our 1980s nostalgia. As we said before, if we understand where we came from, we can better understand ourselves. We've diagnosed this bias. Now we can decide what to do with it. We'll explore this idea as we hit the road and examine places across the country. We can't see the future, but fortunately, we have the tools to take an in-depth look at the past. That tool or vehicle we are using in this journey is what this podcast is named for. The DeLorean gives us access to go back in time and explore our past. Hopefully these stories will be equally educational and entertaining. Thank you once again for joining us tonight, and hopefully we will see you in the future.